I leave 4 p.m. today. Oh, my goodness. So we did get you in. That's wonderful. Well, let's just lift our hands up to Jordan. Holy Spirit, Father God, continue to fill this man, Lord, as he preaches your word. Father, give him boldness and encouragement in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? It's an honor to share. Um, me and Ben talked a couple of weeks ago, and we're talking about eternal perspective. And uh, Ben asked me to preach, and I was like, yes, um, I'm so willing to do that, to share um, about Jesus, who I love. He's so cool. Um, before I get into it, or we get into it together, it's good to see Alex. It's an amazing beard. I've been in Kansas City for almost four years, and I've, this is what I have to show for it. <laughs> Alex has been there five months, six months, and he's got that, it's, which, is a, which is a cut down, which is a trim. And I've been praying for that for a while, but I'm going to be sharing on faith. And so maybe Rich Pringle and Alex can lay on hands later on. That'll be good. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. But good morning. Um, it's so good to get to share with you this morning because I get to leave. I'm going to my brother's at 4 p.m. and get catching an early flight tomorrow morning to the USA, to Kansas City. And... It's kind of funny because I'm going to preach on Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, which for me is my two favorite chapters of the Bible. If I was on a desert island for, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, those are the two chapters that I would take because they're, they're so meaningful because it explains this race, this glorious race of faith to this eternal destination of seeing the Father face to face. And it enables me to catch something of an eternal perspective where I'm not running this life aimlessly, but there is a line of men and women of faith and courage who paid a sacrifice so that I could believe in Jesus and be saved, so that we could believe in Jesus and be saved. And not only do we get to be encouraged, but we get to run this race with endurance too. How many people are excited about this race of faith? Because it really is a race. And I don't want us, I don't want to personally, I don't want to run aimlessly. Everything that I have, everything in me, must be in line with this race of faith that Jesus would receive the glory and the honor for the intercession of his soul. Isaiah 53, the one that poured out his life unto death. It's amazing. It's, it's so important that he receives the glory and the honor. And so I'm so thankful to share on this glorious race. This is good. This is so fun this morning. The songs that we sang, thank you, Jess. Uh, thank you, team. Like, they were very in line with this whole, this eternal perspective, this eternal, let's do this. Jesus, you're amazing. You're our foundation. You're the reason why we breathe. So let's give our breath back to you by choice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Could somebody help me? Could I, could, I, could I have this down here? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. Um, I met with Vanetta. Uh, Vanita, Vanita, right? I always say your name wrong. I'm sorry. And we're talking yesterday, and I, I felt like I was ashamed about Hebrews 11 and 12 to use imagery. And later on, I'm going to need your help because we're going to kind of, as I look at Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, I always see it as this, I see a baton in the hand of somebody, whether it's Noah, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Jacob, whether it's um, Moses, Joseph, this different line of, this line of faith throughout the Bible. 
I see this baton being handed down throughout generations. And we have lots of generations here today, which is cool. And how we run with this baton will depend on how the next generation run. How my mom and dad have ran their race of faith has influenced my race. I'm so thankful to see Chris Price here this morning too. Chris loves Jesus also, which is great. I'm so thankful they had to run this race together. But if my mom and dad and Alan and Mary, it's all about Jesus, but if they didn't meet and pray for us, I don't know what I'd be doing. I would be in a, a big mess right now. But there's been this generational blessing, this generational faith that's come down the line. It hasn't stayed. They've passed on the baton. And I think me and Chris, we want to run with everything that's in us, right? Yes, come on. Cool. Okay. I should turn to the passage. That would be important. Everybody feeling good? Okay, are you with me? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. (laughs) Good. Okay. So Hebrews 11. Um, I've been in Kansas City for the past... It's coming up, it's three and a half years, it's coming up to four years in September, but during our training, this man shared with us, and he was a young guy, I think he was about 30, his name was Dominic, and he runs a ministry called One Nation, One Day. He was at Bible school, in his mid-twenties, and he, in a dream, he heard Isaiah 66, and the, God asked him the question, can a nation be saved in a day? God asked him the question, can a nation be saved in a day? And he was at Bible school. And he began to pray into it. And God gave him a vision for nations coming back to him. And for, for transformation on a national level in a short space of time. One word from God. Isaiah 66. He's ran with that very faithfully. And during all my, t- my training, he shared on it. And he just, they, they surprised him with talking. He didn't know he was going to talk, talk. They said, can you share? Because he was meeting with some people. And he said, I got like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And he just went, he went, opened his Bible, Hebrews 11. And I was like, yes, Hebrews 11 is good. There's this perception, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, eternal perspective, Mount Zion, where we're going, that if you're heavenly minded, that you're not useful on the earth. But I want to say this morning, that's not true. We have to be so heavenly minded, so focused on that day when we see Jesus face to face. Otherwise, we will live our lives flippantly and we will not run well. We must be heavenly minded because to really be effective on the earth, (laughs) there's a cost to pay. There's a cost to pay. And as I look at Hebrews 11, Noah, these men, Abraham, (laughs) some of the people as it goes on throughout Hebrews 11, like they were sworn into persecution. The book of Hebrews is written to a, a, some Christians, Jewish Christians, that like many of them probably experienced martyrdom. Many of them died. Um, I was reading about it this morning, Fox's Book of the Martyrs. And so they had to be told that like, you're not running aimlessly. You're not running by yourself. But you have entered this race and there's this long line with you. Behind you, the cloud of witnesses, the people that ran faithfully in their day. But now the baton has been given to you to run with Jesus hand in hand to this destination of Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Revelation 21, Hebrews 12. So we're going to get to that. Okay, but I need your help. And so this is going to be interesting. Um, But I need 20 males. 
to come and stand on this side of the room. 20 men. Chris, June, just come, it's fine. All sort it out. One, two, three, four. Yeah, keep coming. There's too many, that's fine. We'll sort it out. Okay, I do, I love men and women. Jesus made us in his image, okay? Okay, that's good. Wow, I love it. Stop there, stop there for now. Let's have a look. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. That's great. Okay. And then I need a chair. I'm going to use a chair. Okay. Cool. David Walk, could you come and sit down up here? Yeah. But you've ran very well, David, haven't you? Let's be honest. Okay. Take a seat. Fantastic. Okay. And so. This is to explain Hebrews 11. Okay, I need somebody that's had many children. Who has had more? Okay, that's my, everyone knows my dad's had too many kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but who has had more than, who's had four children? Anybody have four children? Well, four. Any, five? Five? Any advances on five? Dad, put your hand down, I know, I'm your son. Six? Six. Alan, you could be Abraham, okay? <laughs> Abraham had many sons. And what I need you to do, Alan, is to stand at the back over here, just in front of the electric stuff. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay, I want some of the older guys to go nearer to Alan. So, you know who you are. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> to stand directly in line with Alan. Okay, keep coming. Okay, there's some, there's, Bruce, come on, get over here. Stop. You know, we're friends, it's okay. Come on, we're all thinking it. Um, okay. Okay. And so, Okay, all the, all the people keep going, keep going, let's have some more, let's have some more. It's okay, I'm going to call you out if I have to, it's okay if it's wrong, it doesn't have to be perfect. Come, come on, come, 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 come. Grey hair, come out, come on. Grey hair, come on. No shame. Crown of splendor. Crown of splendor, come out, come on, come on. Okay. Richard, could you stand here, Rich? Rich, come stand here. Yeah. Okay, let's have some more come out, okay. Some of... Okay, middle-aged guys. Okay, middle-aged. Come on. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, keep coming. Okay, you guys know from now on. June, come on. Stop hiding away. Everyone knows you're in your 30s. Come on. I'm just going to grab something. Keep coming. here. Okay. So, we do, that's almost perfect. Okay, so we have this great line of people, of men in the body, okay. For this analogy, David, this man of faith, this father in the faith to many, he's symbolizing the great heavenly father, okay. Just bear with me, this is not blasphemy, this is not blasphemy. This is, and you can sit down, you can sit down, okay. You can rest, okay. And so the book of Hebrews is a bit like this, this, this line, okay? We need Jesus, okay? We need, we need Jesus, okay? Who wants to be Jesus? June, you're a very holy man. Come on, come over here. 
Come on, stand here, man. I can choose you because I know you really well. Okay, just stand here, just stand here. Okay, so we have this big line of people in the Old Testament that paid a price for this faith. The, the Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 says the world was not worthy of them and they ran with the word of the Lord in their generation. Abraham perceived the eternal city. He, he believed that someone was coming and he paid this price. He ran with it, trusted God, and he was given a baton. Now, I did bring one, but I left it in my car so I have a better one because we don't want to do things half-heartedly with Jesus. It's all in, okay? And so he ran with the baton in his generation. Abraham, so we actually, this is probably the wrong way around. Let's have you around here. I do read the Bible. Um, Noah, okay, passing it to Abraham. I do read. Keep passing it through. Noah, uh, Abraham, we've got Jacob, Isaac. Keep passing it through the line. They ran under the law, the prophets. We have King David. We have these amazing men, Solomon. Okay. These guys, those guys I mentioned wasn't really mentioned that much in Hebrews 11. Okay. And then we get to Jesus. Okay. And so for every single one of us, you can stay standing. That's okay. We're not running aimlessly because we have this, this line, these men, these women. We need some women. Okay. This would not be right without women. Okay. Julia, could I use you a moment? You're a woman of faith. You're going to be Sarah. Okay. If Sarah didn't believe God, we wouldn't have this big line of people. So I'm glad that she did after laughing. Okay. And then other women, we've got Rahab in this line. Okay. Everybody can go sit down now. That's great. Apart from June. And then I've got Richard over here. You say that. It's good. Okay. So we're catching it. Thanks for being active. But we've, when we made the decision to follow Jesus, we stepped into this heritage of the Israelite people. And they were waiting for this man to come. Not June. Jesus. Okay. Um, And the message of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus is better. It emphasizes that he's the one. That's the promised one that was to come. These guys like Abraham, they perceived from afar. He perceived that, that this one was coming. And so he was faithful. God made him some promises. He stayed with it. Sometimes he's a little bit unfaithful, but God was very merciful, and he saw it through. And then came Jesus. And so, for every one of us, we have Jesus. He is the one. He's, the, he's our Lord. He's our King. And we get to run this race, not to David Ward, but to the Heavenly Father. Okay, I've chosen David because he's an amazing father to all of us. He loves people so well. Okay. And so we get to walk, and we have this journey where we have this heritage, but we've got some stuff to do. To be effective on the earth, we have to know this heritage. We have to know what Jesus did. Otherwise, we'll live our lives flippantly. We won't, we won't go all in, okay? But we need to go all in, don't we? Do we agree? We agree? Amen. Fantastic, June. You can sit down. Amazing. This baton. I would hate to run with this in the 4 by 100 It would be terrible. Okay. David, you can sit down. Okay. Okay. Yep. So Hebrews 11. Every time I go to Kansas City or I go abroad, I have to kind of count the cost again. I just remember, okay, I'm leaving. I'm in search. I'm in search. I want to change nations. I want to change cities. I want to see families restored. All these different things. I want to see these things happen now. 
because the time is urgent. We cannot be sleeping. We have to be awake. I want to see cities transformed, okay? That's why I go. But I have to understand that there's this hope, there's this joy set before me of seeing the Father face to face. And when I see him face to face, I'm so excited to see him. But I'm also, I have this reverence, this fear that I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Who here wants to hear those words? Good and faithful servant. Okay. Hallelujah. And so I want to have an impact on the earth. But in order to be effective, I have to have this mindset. The heavenly Jerusalem, let's just, I'll just speak about Hebrews 12. I know we're a little bit all over the shop, but that's okay. It's a lot to get in, in a short space of time. Um, I'm just going to read Hebrews 12 about heavenly Jerusalem, okay? This is, I give the build up, Hebrews 12, verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and to darkness and storm, and to the sound of a trumpet and to a voice speaking words such as those who heard them begged that the word not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much as a beast touches the mountain, it must be stoned or thrust through with a spear. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. Mount Sinai, okay. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who spoke on earth, much less shall we escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Okay. I'll carry on. It's really good. <laughs> Sometimes you let the word speak for itself. <laughs> At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised us, saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. At this statement, yet once more, signifies the removal of those things that can be shaken. Things that are created, so the only things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us be gracious by which we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. That's a big passage of scripture. Okay. <laughs> The reason why I love Hebrews is because it's filled with the fear of the Lord. I love the grace of God. He's so amazing. He's my father. He's my dad. He's so cool. I love him so much. But I want to, <laughs> I fear him too, <laughs> in a really healthy way. This reverence, this revelation of who he is. I want to I honor him with everything that I have. I want to fear him. I don't want to, you know, I want to please him. So in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
That's the scripture I want to spend a little bit of time on. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It requires diligence, this life of faith. <laughs> it doesn't just come to you. It doesn't just, just happen. There's a diligence of seeking the face of God. David, King David, was so effective. He knew the Lord. He knew this God, but he diligently sought him. Jesus diligently sought the face of his father, everything he did. Okay, so diligence, number one. Okay, you with me? Okay, okay, good. Diligence. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would later receive his inheritance. He obeyed. He didn't know where he was going. Back in Genesis, Alan and Abraham, he left everything that he had because he had vision. At the same time, just after Babylon, just after he built the Tower of Babel, there was this man that caught this vision from God that I'd, there's something eternal going on and I want to be part of seeing this city of the living God. I want something with foundations. I want something that's real. I love Shirley. It's great. I love it. I love going to Greg's. I love going to Costa. It's fantastic. I love people too, as well as coffee shops. But I'm searching for a city that has foundations. I'm not going to cling to things that are worldly because I'm searching for this city with foundations that actually is real. Mount Zion, Revelation 21. Um, does anybody know the dimensions? Paul, I'm looking at you. You probably know the dimensions. Where we're going is Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the city, okay? As he had come down from heaven to earth. Paul, do you know the dimensions of this city? Don't feel under pressure. It's fine. I just know you're a Bible scholar. I want some authority to what I'm saying, you know? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Good time. 1,400 miles. 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high. Mount Zion is 255 times higher than Mount Everest. I did the maths. I checked it multiple times. <laughs> 255 times higher than Mount Everest. The walls, the gates, glorious. Streets paved with gold. See-through, like glass. There's not going to be any sun. There's not going to be any moon. The brightness, the glory of God will be its light. Jesus is the light. There's going to be no pain, no suffering. God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Hallelujah. Yes. And we're going to spend eternity worshipping the Father in spirit and truth, serving Him, knowing Him. I'm excited. <laughs> the reason why we must know what's at the finish line, the greater the weight, the greater reward that we see at the finish line will enable us to run in a very effective way. The more and more I study it, pray it, get it into my heart because I was born up and I was taught to grab things that were temporary. I was not pointing fingers, whatever, but from school, different things, I was, I was trying to grab things that were not eternal. They were not eternal. There was no reward in it. It was selfish. But now, by the grace of God, we can 
grab hold of something that has substance. Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old obtained a good report. They perceived by faith this place with substance that was real, that wasn't temporary. And they ran with, (laughs) sometimes they messed up, a bit of failure, but they kind of, they tripped up in the right direction and they were faithful. And now we have this baton that Jesus has handed to us where he says, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. We're on this journey together to this place. It's amazing, right? It's really cool. But what I really want to emphasize is this is not a joke. This is serious. This is so serious. The author of Hebrews, throughout the book, he's speaking to a Jewish people. And they know, they, they know their history. The last time God, <laughs> one of the last times God brought his people, wanted to bring his people into freedom. We all know what happened from Egypt to the promised land. Only two passed through. That's okay. We love babies. It's great. Um, only two made it into the promised land. A whole generation perished because of unbelief. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's in the Bible. Only two. They all had this promise. God deli- we sang this song. God delivered them. They saw the Red Sea part. They walked through it as on dry land, Hebrews 11. But a whole generation passed away because they didn't have the faith. It's, you know what I mean? I love Jesus, but this is serious. This is no joke. <laughs> it's good to know. This is no joke. Because we have this journey. If we've repented, if we've received Jesus as Lord, we have this life of faith. But we have this journey to heavenly Jerusalem. We're going to see the Father face to face. Hallelujah. Get to walk with him now. It's great. It's difficult too. But I cannot have unbelief. God is faithful. He will bring us through. He has promises. He's faithful. But it's going to be, there's a cost to pay. Okay. Cool? Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, let's focus on Jesus. (laughs) The whole message of Hebrews, as it comes this whole line, Hebrews 11. The command in Hebrews 12 is fix your eyes on Jesus. This great line of people, amazing men, I've learned so much from their lives. They're not dead, they're alive by faith. Faith speaks. But the command is to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the mighty one in heaven. Consider him. Consider. (laughs) Okay. 
It talks about hardship. It talks about the discipline of the Lord, Hebrews 12. But it's okay. How many people here have suffered during your life so far on earth? It's okay. You can be honest. It's a safe place. Okay, suffer. Okay. And it's real. But it's for a time. We can never be shaped by what happens to us circumstantially. We have to be shaped by the voice of our Father. We have to be shaped by Him. Not by what some other person did to us or this thing that happened. Or this, I don't know, this parent or this, whatever. Those things are temporary. We have the voice of our Father. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It is. You've got to count the cost. But the whole purpose of it is because he calls us sons and daughters. For many of us, maybe we didn't experience good discipline growing up. I'm not sure on, human, on our dad's different things. I have a great dad. Still do. Love you, dad. But the things that we go through is that we'll be transformed into his image and his likeness. To be transformed by him. Romans 8 talks about being predestined, justified, but being conformed to his image. The reason why all things work together for the good of those that love God is because he conforms us into his image in the process, which is true worship. Which is true worship. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. And so, the question I'm going to ask is, what opposes us from living a life of faith? I, I don't want to come up here and appear like I have everything going fantastic, amazing, whatever. But I, I'm, I'm doing my best because I love Jesus and he's so worthy. But as I've walked, I've realized there's some the stuff that opposes us from living a life of faith. And so there's many things. I'm just going to name a couple. Okay. Refusal to take up the cross. When I became a Christian, Jesus saved me, but he gave me a cross. He said he issued this, issued this kind of this invitation. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself the first rule of discipleship. Let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, his baton, and follow me. The opposition to living a life of faith is the self. Living for self. We were not made for ourselves. We were made for him. We were not made for ourselves. We were made for him. That's what happened in the garden. Jesus restores that. The self-life, living for our own glory, trying to build our own kingdom, is worthless. <laughs> it's worthless. But if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself, 
pick up his cross, follow me. Love, basically. Love, obedience, obey his commands. Okay. Number two, parable of the sower. The word of God in the parable of the sower goes in all these different places. One of them, I'm not going to go in order. I'm just going to name different places. One of them falls on weeds. And the weeds grow up with this seed, the word of God, what was given, this baton, this inheritance. But nothing matured, nothing came to maturity because the weeds, the cares of this life, choked the seed. In England, there's a lot of cares of this life. There really is. When you go to different countries especially, you realize it. There's, there's the cares of this life that really aren't that important in the scheme of things. In, in scheme, in light of this, in light of this, many things just aren't that important. <laughs> the cares of this life, okay. Some soil falls on the rock, springs up fast, has no root. Has no root. The word did not go deep into the heart. The word of God must go deep into our hearts. Really deep. <laughs> Isaiah 61 talks about trees of righteousness, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. What's amazing about oaks is they're as, they're as big underground as they are on top. Depth. Depth in God, prayer, fasting, worship, the word, knowing him, intimacy, fellowship, all these different things. Depth. If the depth isn't there, when times of trouble come, that's okay. Yeah, it's too hard. The reason why I'm preaching this pretty firm is because I preach this to myself pretty much every day. <laughs> I went through a period of my life for about a year. I just read Hebrews 11, 12 pretty much every day. I preached to myself until I believed it, until it became real. God illuminated it. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about you. But this is real. This is so real. The word of God has to go deep in our hearts. Okay. Hebrews 11. Opposition to faith is negligence. Obviously, diligence provides faith. Negligence doesn't produce, doesn't produce faith. We have to be really focused on what Jesus is calling us to do. We can't be negligent. We can't just neglect so great a salvation. Hebrews 3. Do not neglect, neglect such a great salvation which was first preached to you by the Lord and was confirmed to you by those who heard him. Do not neglect this salvation. <laughs> okay. Number four. Everybody doing okay? Okay, okay, good. Number four, lukewarmness. Being lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. Everywhere I go, whatever, different cultures, India, England, I have to wage a war against being lukewarm. Lukewarm, biblically, Revelation chapter 3, talks about this attitude of, I don't need, I don't need it, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I'm not going to go massively into detail, but this attitude of not desperation, kind of one foot in, one foot out Christianity, which isn't really Christianity at all. It's both feet in. It's not one foot. <laughs> it's, every, it's, it's, it's all. It's all. Jesus gave all. We've got to give all. <laughs> even if it's weak, even if it's broken, even if you feel a mess, it's yes, Jesus. 
yes, you're worthy. Okay. Lukewarmness. In our culture, there's so many different things that are calling us to obey it, to follow it. <laughs> Growing up in my teenage years, it was pretty much like my, my life was planned out for me. You do this, you do this, you go to college. You do this, you go to university, you do this, you do... <laughs> These aren't, these aren't bad, these aren't even like really like sinful things, but you must do this. You must get, get the job, get the career, get the mortgage, get the wife. These aren't horrific things, but if Jesus, <laughs> if Jesus isn't the center, if Jesus isn't the center, I know this, if Jesus isn't the center, those things are like meaningless. Do you know what, you know what I mean? But from, as, as I grew up, um, I didn't realize that I could follow Jesus because in many ways, I've been taught by the world, I've been programmed by the world, that this is how you must live. This is how you must do it. Don't, it's un, sometimes it's unspoken, but do you, know, do you know what I mean? It's like, this is how you got to do it. If you, if you don't, you won't be respected. For about six months, like, I felt so hopeless, because like, this is when I was like 18, 19, different things going on with university, and like, I remember feeling so hopeless, because I was this guy, I thought I, was, I had everything going for me, and I couldn't get a job for a while. And I was like, I'm, I felt like I was nothing because I didn't have what everybody else was going for. Do you know what I mean? And we can't be defined by the things of the world. We have to be defined by the love of the Father, by the sacrifice that Jesus paid. His blood speaks better than that of Abel. We are defined by the love that God has for us, not by any material thing, by any human relationship. We're defined by the price paid for us by Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. But I have to wage war against this. We can't. We have to go after it. Okay? Cool. Mentioned unbelief. Great. Okay. Which brings us to this. How do we cultivate a life of faith? It's really simple. <laughs> Jesus is really simple, isn't he? <laughs> Who thinks Jesus is simple? <laughs> oh, even I can understand. Great. Okay. The Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Word of God, obedience, apply it. Fantastic. Prayer, worship, fasting, fellowship, obedience. This race of faith, we had June up here. In fact, Richard, I was going to have you, let's have you come up here, bro. It's time for you to be part of the demonstration. It's been too long. But Richard, we have you here with Jesus. Just come stand up here, bro, quick. Round of applause for Richard. Fantastic. There we go. Okay. But he's not walking alone. We're, I love that we're having this conversation. This, this talks about relationships matters. So we've got to get together, climb, ascend the hill of the Lord. But it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's for that. Relationships matter because we don't want to go alone. You can get picked off alone. You can get picked off. You want to surround yourself with godly men and godly women who are going to challenge you, who are going to ask you uncomfortable questions, maybe. <laughs> you can sit down now. Thank who are going to ask you uncomfortable questions, maybe. <laughs> yeah, great. It's true. But I'm going to tell you, more, more than anything, it's not like, did you do this? Do you not do that? Accountability. It's, we can do this together. It's so worth it. Jesus is better. He's so much better. Let's do it together. Let's run together, but let's run fast. <laughs> Sometimes we're in different seasons, different things are going on. But let's run with everything we have. Me and my little brother Ross, he's not so little anymore. He's really big now. He's bigger than me. 
He's not my little brother, really. Um, we climbed a mountain last week in, it's probably more of a hill than a mountain, um, in Lake District. And, like, he had this big bag and he wanted to take all this food and all these massive, I was like, I was like, Ross, are you kidding me? You're going to climb that and you're trying to take, you won't mind me saying this, you're trying to take all that stuff up that mountain? Are you joking? Like, that's going to make it so much harder. And the message of Hebrews 12 is get rid of everything that hinders. Don't take anything in this journey that is going to weigh you down. Get rid of sin because you can, because Jesus paid the price for it. And we can repent and be forgiven and walk free from sin. Free. Gazing at Jesus. Struggling along the way, yes. Don't, don't get me wrong. But let's run. Not, don't carry all this stuff up this mountain. It won't work. You'll, you'll climb it really slowly. But if we get rid of that stuff, everything that hinders. I went through a season in my life where I struggled so much with different things. But God taught me, get rid of it. You don't have to carry it. My son has prayed a, paid a price. So you can carry that baton without the weight, without the sin, without it. By the Holy Spirit. You don't have to. It's climb this mountain well, diligently, but as fast as we can. Here's the reason why. I love you guys. It's sad in some ways to go away today, tomorrow, because it's family. But I know I have to go because there's a broken world that needs to know about this glorious hope. And so I, it's not easy. I'm so thankful that I have so many brothers and sisters here with me to walk, to climb together, to run together. But I have to not have my focus on me. My focus is on Jesus my focus is on the harvest. My focus is what God wants to do around me. He wants to see lives transformed. This glorious hope, it's for more than ourselves. It's for the lost. It's for the broken. It's kind of strange today. I went on Facebook, as I do. <laughs> and there's a guy that I used to, I preached the gospel to in the inner city in Kansas City. Today would have been his birthday. He died over the summer. He was killed by his, one of his best friends, I heard. This is the guy I preached to. I preached the gospel to him. I was like, bro, you, I tried to pick him up, take him to church, do different things. And when I heard that he'd been killed by his friend, like, I was like broken. But there's other people. I was like so affected by that. But it, it, it made me understand eternal reality that there's people out there that need to know this glorious hope. Because there's this heavenly Jerusalem and there's a lake of burning fire, and it's real. I believe the Bible. Revelation 21, 22. There's, this, there's a lake of fire, and it's real. <laughs> it's so real. And it's not okay that people are going there. It's not okay. Jesus paid a price. So they don't have to. But it's so real. The lake of fire is real. Eternal reality is real. So in light of that, what sacrifices we make are nothing in the value of a soul. All of us are going to spend eternity in one place. That is so much more valuable than the temporary. 
so much more valuable. Jesus deserves his prize for what the life that he poured out. We have to be fixed on that. SCF, the bridge, I love you guys. The worship today, fantastic, awesome. Um, Some of God's been teaching me recently is that he thinks in terms of nations, cities, like regions, cities, families, villages, different things like that. Ben, what's the, what's the membership of the church here? Uh, the number? Yeah. 242. 242. Wow, that's really interesting. 242. Okay, that's amazing. God's done a lot, hasn't he, over the past 30, 40 years. I know, something like that, right? And I've certainly received such a blessing from that. But I looked at the population of Solid Hall last night, and it's 209,000. Okay. I looked at the population of church attendance last night too. And over the nation, it's about 4.7% in 2011. So that might not be that accurate now. But let's just say 5 6% of people that go to church. Okay. And so roughly, there's probably in Solar Hall, maybe about 195,000 people that don't know God. Something like that. Yep. 195,000, 190,000 that don't know Jesus. And so we, as followers of Jesus, must give everything that they would join the family. They must know what Jesus has done. This 190,000. Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. He leaves the 99 for the one. He always goes after the one. The once I was walking around Ellswood and I was trying to have a walk and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Jordan, like I'm so persistent with people. And I was like, that's strange. Oh, cool. Carried on walking. And then there was this lady and she was probably in her 80s and I just got speaking to her and I was like, Jesus loves you so much. And she kind of like rejected it and walked away a little bit. But he, the Lord told me before that happened, like I'm so persistent with people. And so we as followers, as believers, must be really persistent with people too and pour out our lives, prayer, to see Jesus receive his reward because it's not okay because the heavenly Jerusalem is real. It's real, but so is the lake of fire. Let's not run aimlessly. Let's run diligently. Let's hand a, a baton onto the next generation. These younger, it's so cool to see young guys get baptized recently running this. It's so cool. Some of the testimonies, fantastic. But what we do will influence how fast they run. Because if we don't take this, if we just run aimlessly, like they're going to think that they, they can just run how they want. We have to set an example in how we run so that people run diligently. Okay. So, yes. So I hear that um, you have a question, normally a takeaway. And the question I want to ask us, because I love us for you guys so much, is faith is the substance of things hoped for, okay? And I want to ask you a question. What are you hoping for? Because you, <laughs> what you're influenced in the realm of hope will see what, you, what happens on the earth now. What are you hoping for? Is it something that's eternal value? Or is it something that, I uh, know, you know what I mean? It's for ourselves.
Is it, does, is it, does it have eternal hope? Okay? That's the question. I wanted to try this question with somebody. Hey, guys, welcome. Come back. We're going to finish soon. Don't worry. I have this theory in that, like, whatever, it's not really my theory, it's biblical. Like, whatever we hope for is really important. You can find out a lot about a person by what they're hopeful. Okay? And so I thought, to test this theory, I'm going to ask my friend Lathan. Lathan's been following the Lord for like a couple of years, but this guy is, he's running so fast, he's probably going to outrun me. That's okay. That's cool. <laughs> and I asked him, Lathan, what are you hoping for this year? Because I knew what response I was going to get. I knew it was going to be something that's so specific because he loves Jesus a lot and he's running very focused. And he said, like he, I could read it from WhatsApp, but basically I'm believing for the immediate salvation of all my family members. And he said, I got this on December 31st and gave me a list of different things. I'm believing for generational strongholds to break this year, different things, different things. And I'm believing for greater intimacy with the Lord than ever before and to walk in his promises. And I was like, great. I asked him that question because I knew what he was going to say. So I end this with a, a question. Love you guys. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Okay. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's some stuff to chew over there. And a real challenge with regards to what we do with the faith that is within us. Encourage you to listen to that again and ask you a question. What eternal things are you hoping for? What eternal things are you hoping for? So as we go now, enjoy tea and coffee.